0: everybody, it's Pastor Dylan. Welcome to the Dayspring Wesleyan Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take the time to download our church app. It's the best way to stay connected to the life of the church. All you have to do is go to your app store and search for Church Center, download and enter the information for our church. You will then be connected to our church community. I hope the following presentation inspires you to move closer to God in this journey we call faith. Enjoy. (laughs) I tell you, what an awesome week. I mean, over 120 volunteers, and those 50 decisions that were made, that was fantastic. And uh, just glad to be a part of that. Um, The uh, first service this morning, I tell you, I was so overwhelmed with the worship, but uh, the coolest thing with me is because just, you know, when you feel um, the presence of the Lord and and just hearing people sing and give praise. And then behind me, um, I heard this little laugh and this little coup. And it was this uh, uh, baby was behind me and it was, uh, the baby's name was Abigail. And I was like, she was just praising the Lord just along with us. And I just thought, man, what a, what a beautiful thing to be able to happen. And I've always said this, but like kids in the sanctuary never bother me, you know? And so if they make noises, I just think it's fantastic because one thing, it's hard for a parent to be able to bring a kid, you know, and then have them sit in service like that. Just big kudos to those people who do that. But the other thing is, man, I would rather hear children's voices in the sanctuary than no children's voices, you know, because that's the uh, growing church as well. And we're being able to reach out Um, So all those kids that came here this week. Man, thanks for making them feel welcomed. And and I just I mean, just love that we were able to do that. And so uh, just so you know, if you've seen Pastor Bo's hair, um, it is a lot golder than it used to be. Okay, And so the deal was if the kids got to 3000, he would do it. But he went ahead and did it anyways. Here's what I would like to do, because we're still missing about $600. What happened is we're trying to, we were sponsoring a camp, and if you saw the pictures, the one camp was in Australia there, and uh, so we were communicating back and forth. But we were about $600 short, and so if you want to contribute to that, which some people did first service, so maybe Bo's already there, but um, people handed money to Bo, and that's going to, the, um, to their ministry there and, and, and helping support somewhere overseas. So that's just a fantastic thing that we're doing. So wanna, again, want to say thank you. Uh, we'll tell this one story, though. My uh, group, uh, we decided Rachel and I were huddle leaders, and uh, so that means we got to do devotions with them, and I made Rachel uh, do the devotions because I talk too much as it is, so um, she does a far better job, plus they stuck us with all girls, all right, so which was an issue in itself, but when I got there the first day, I looked, and all these girls were in pink shirts, and so I jokingly said to them, jokingly said, I'll wear a pink shirt tomorrow too, girls. You know, well, they thought I meant it, so they came back the next day and they're like, "Uh, Pastor Chuck, where's your pink shirt?" You know, and I was like, "Oh, I was just kidding." They're like, "They're like, well, we wore our pink shirts again because of it." And then Bill Clem came up to me and he was giving our time. He's like, "I had to wash my daughter's shirt that she wore yesterday just so she could wear pink again." You know, and uh, so I was like, "Oh man, I don't want them going around." telling people that the pastor lies here at Dayspring, you know. So so anyway, so I got a pink shirt together the next day. And the funny thing is I was going to wear it today, um, but um, it was in the laundry and it had um, a blue Popsicle mark on it because um, they were giving Popsicles all week. So if you want a Popsicle, volunteer next year and you can be uh, a part of this. So I had a great week with them. And even today, um, they I think I must have told them I was wearing my pink shirt today because... Two of the girls came up to me and were like, uh, and they had their pink shirts on again, so I could be in trouble again, all right? Um, So if you hear people call me Pastor Pinky, that's why um, they're doing that, okay? Uh, Two announcements I want to make. One is that uh, uh, today at six, we're having our belief class, which is one of our classes in towards membership. Uh, so if some of you still want to be a part of that, we already have 17 signed up coming tonight. If you didn't get a chance to sign up and want to be a part of that, come out at 6 tonight. We're going to be over in the kids area, and we're going to be doing that. Uh, the belief class basically tells you sort of the fundamentals of a, any church, you know, that um, uh, believes in the Apostles' Creed and those type of things. So that's what we're going to be focusing on tonight. I'd uh, love to have you be a part of that. Um, it's Again, it's at 6 p.m., and then we'll be doing some of the other classes later. The other thing I would just want to get, go ahead and get in your mind is this. We have what we call four missional verbs here at Dayspring. The four mission of verbs are uh, uh, reach, grow, worship, and serve. What we decided to do is each year take and spend um, one year on one of the words as our concentration. We're still going to do the other things, but really focus in on the one word. Last year we focused on the word grow. And it wasn't about just seeing how many people we can get in the sanctuary and those type of things, it was about helping people grow in their faith. And one of the struggles we had here at the church was just getting people into small groups where we believe that's where some of the best stuff happens. Because it's one thing to just listen to the message, but it's another thing for us to process with one another what we're hearing in those messages. So last year, we took on a study called Emotionally Healthy, and we did it for eight weeks. And we started out with 200. By the end, there were still 150 people involved. It was just a great participation of stuff. We did a meal before, um, we had the message on the morning, and then we had the study with a video series at night, which Colleen helped us, um, Pastor Colleen helped read us through. It was a fantastic thing. We want to do that again this year, but we felt like eight weeks was a little bit too much for people, so we decided to do one this year for four weeks. And we're calling it Four Weeks for Him. And we're going to be looking at the book of Philippians, which, guess what, has four chapters. So we're going to be looking at one chapter each week, and I think it's going to be just a great study. This is also a good time for you to get to know some other people you may not be familiar with, and then you get a free meal as well. Okay, so um, I, mean, I plan to be a part of that. Now, if you're going to use the excuse, well... I have kids, I can't get here. I have teenagers, I can't get here. <gasps> Guess what? We have something for kids, and we have something for teens. So make sure you bring them out. Last year, matter of fact, we had over 300 people here on Sunday nights because of all the things that we had going on. So again, we want to offer that up. It's going to be a fantastic time. That's going to start September 24th, but you're going to be hearing a lot of promos about it. But I would love, love, love to have all of you involved in this. It's just a really great thing to be a part of. All right, so now if, let's get in the study today. If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32, which, by the way, is the same passage we looked at last week. And guess what? We'll be looking at the same passage next week. And the reason why is we're doing three different points of views. This is the prodigal son story, and we have three characters involved in this story. We have the younger son who we talked about last week. We have the father, which we're talking about today. And then next week, we're going to be talking about the older son as well. I, uh, when I was preparing this message and I was talking to my wife last week, I uh, just reminded a couple of stories. One was uh, when my son was, we thought it was two, maybe three, somewhere around there. Um, my son was with us at the mall. You guys remember what malls are? You remember? We used to have one here in Marion. If you're not familiar, okay. They had stores in there and stuff, we could go around. Uh, so anyways, we had our son with us. I don't know what happened, because Rachel had the twins, too, and I was thinking probably she's the mom, so she knows where all three kids are, and I have no responsibilities here whatsoever, probably type thing, Uh, but I think I was probably in charge of one, Um, and all of a sudden, I couldn't find Chase, so my assumption was he was with his mom, but I couldn't find him, so I called her. I said, hey, is Chase with you, which was the reply, no, he's not, and then I tried to hang up quickly, because I didn't want to tell her I lost one, you know, but... uh, All of a sudden, we realized we probably have a situation. It's one of those moments where you think you're going to have to shut down the mall and try to figure out where your kid is. Um, I was looking around. I finally decided to go outside for some reason, but I was thinking, a two-year-old, I don't know, they can open a door, right? Well, he was out on the sidewalk there, um, just kind of walking around, and there was this sort of relief. Like, I'm glad I found him before anything bad had happened. Well, in sharing that story, my wife said when she was two years old, because I guess like mother, like son— You know, she said she got lost from her uh, mom in a mall. And she said what happened is she was walking with her cousin who was older than her. And if you know my wife, she got upset with her cousin. And so she took off. All right. So again, I might have experienced the same thing once or twice, making my wife mad and her taking off. Okay. Um, But anyway, she decided to go hide. And she was, I guess, pretty smart two-year-old because she went in the fitting room and sat on the bench, and instead of just sitting there, she decided to put her legs up on the bench as well so that no one could find her, all right? So now the cousin can't find her, probably panicking a little bit, um, tells Rachel's mom, who is concerned as well, and they have the mall shut down, and everyone's looking for it. Well, then my mother-in-law, who um, she decides that she's going to look everywhere— and she decides to go in all the stalls and looks, you know, because she can be intrusive like that, okay? Like, no. Now, <laughs> I know I'm going to get in trouble for that later if she's listening online, okay? Uh, but anyway, so she opens up each of the doors, and she finally finds Rachel there, and I'm sure there was this sort of amount of relief, and I think some of us can identify with that, you know, because like, you've had those moments where maybe you have lost your child, or maybe you've been the child that has been lost, and there's sort of this panic that comes over you, and you What do you do? And then there is that total relief when you find that child that was lost. The reason I love this part of the story and from this perspective today is because we're talking about a father who loses a child, who decides to do some things that they shouldn't do. And the father is reunited with his son. And the emotion in that moment is just overwhelming to me. I've been emotional sort of all week about this message. And then even today, I couldn't quite get through it because of what you feel as part of a, uh, as a father as well. So let's read together in Luke chapter 15, starting with verse 11. It says, then Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When it came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. "'The older son was in the field. "'When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. "'So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. "'Your brother has come,' he replied, "'and your father has killed the fatted calf "'because he has him back safe and sound.' "'The older brother became angry and refused to go in. "'So his father went out and pleaded with him. "'But he answered his father, "'Look, all these years I've been slaving for you "'and never disobeyed your orders.' He was lost and is found. Let's pray together. Father, just the view of this story and sort of contemplating today what it means to be in your viewpoint in this story. What it means to be a father and to have the son say the things that he said and to do the things that he did and then to welcome him back as one of your own. Father, I think there are some of us today that just need to hear that message and some of us haven't made a decision for you and I pray that today that some of us will look deep down inside of ourselves understand it's not a mistake that we're here and that we need to make a decision for you. I pray that we would see a father's love today, a father that desperately cares about his children and he responds and reacts in such an appropriate way. May we be changed today, Father. I pray that if there's anything today That I would say that is incorrect or misspeak. I pray that you will clean it up in the ears of your people, so that the only voice they hear today is a loving Father who is going after them. In your name we pray, Amen. So we start with again with the first part of this verse, like we did last week, and it says Jesus continued. And one of the things that we were talking about, and for those of you who weren't here, I would encourage you to go back and hear last week's message because it's from the younger son's perspective. Um, So you're going to get a little bit more of the details in that message. And I'm going to take time to do the, the whole thing again. But if you look at this, Jesus continued. What he was continuing is he was giving a third parable of three parables he gave. And these three parables were all in response to what was happening around him. And what was happening around him is you had the Pharisees and you have the teachers of the law, basically these Jewish sort of religious leaders. And they were discussing, and again, you have to give them props because these were guys that were committed to the law, they were committed to God, But then they see Jesus and don't understand that he is fully God. But what they see in Jesus is that Jesus is mingling with what we call tax collectors. And then they even go on to say sinners. Now, tax collectors for them would have been the worst of the worst, which we explained last week. And they were upset by this because underneath their tradition is you didn't mix yourself with unbelievers. Because that could affect you and you had no time for them. And yet here was Jesus eating with them, talking with them, and caring about them. And they couldn't stand this. So Jesus wanted to make a point, so he told three parables. And with each parable, you find that the value and the worth of the subject gets greater and greater. So the first parable was one of a hundred sheep. And we said out of the hundred sheep, the, as the shepherd pulled him in that night and as he began to count them, he realized he was supposed to have a hundred, but there were only 99 there. So instead of just remaining with the 99, he went to go after that one that was lost. And you and I can identify with that because what that means is out of all the people that God has and all the children that he has, one that grows astray, he is still concerned about, and he will go after that one. So there is value in that. But you and I look at one out of a hundred and think, "Mm, it's just one out of a hundred. What's the big deal? Well, then Jesus goes on to give a second parable, which he increases the value of sort of the subject that he's talking about. And the subject this time is a lady who... Um, We can probably assume that she's either divorced or widowed or something, but all she has is these 10 gold coins. And as she counts her coins, she recognizes that she is... Missing one. And she would have needed that to trade or to buy or whatever she did, but those would have significant value. Realizing that she was missing one, it says that she lit her lamp and she began to search the whole floor, going after that one. Again, we recognize that we need money and those things, and so we recognize the importance and the value of coins. Jesus was trying to recognize people that you are all valuable and of greater worth. But then he goes into his final subject, which is just great importance. And the final subject is this, there is one father who has two sons, and one goes away. Now, what's interesting to me about this, and we'll get back to this in a minute, is this. When we look at the other two parables, the shepherd goes after the lost sheep. The woman goes after the lost coin. The son that has squandered his wealth, the father stays. And I think that's significant, because that's about sort of free will. But we're going to get into that a little bit, because his response is still an amazing sort of response in the story. But what these three parables tell us is this. Seeking and receiving sinners pleases God. I mean, that's what we're supposed to be about here at the church. The lost are supposed to be found. The dead should come alive. Like, that's the point in the process of the church, and we should be celebrating each and every one of us. That's why when we saw 50 decisions, we celebrate. That's why when seven people gave their heart to the Lord last week, we celebrate. Last service, three people made a decision for Christ. Like, that excites us. We celebrate. It says heaven rejoices over that, and heaven rejoices over one that is lost and is now found. So today, let's look at the point of view of the father. So we look at verse 11. It says, Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided up the property between them. Now, again, we told you last week, Like, and all the Jewish leaders would have understood this, but man, that is something that you did not do. Because again, you had this sort of tribal hierarchy where you had the patriarch or the family, which would have been the father. And the father's role was to provide and to take care of the family. And then when he would pass on, then he would give his inheritance to his children. And again, we said that last week, the uh, oldest son would have got two-thirds because they're, they were supposed to then become the patriarch of the family. So for a son to come up and ask for his inheritance now, that would have been a very disrespectful thing to do. And that father would have felt that disrespect. Last week, we said from the son's perspective, it was a way of the son saying to his father, drop dead. In other words, I don't need you anymore. And, and I, I have to tell you, when I look at this from my father's perspective, it, there's one thing that drives me crazy out of anything. It's one of those things that can send me from a zero to a hundred pretty quick. It's when I'm disrespected. I mean, just anywhere. And I've learned to control it in certain situations. You know, when people disrespect me, there's part of me that wants to go, okay, it's go time. You know, like I'm ready to jump all over them. But the sad thing is when I'm home and I'm disrespected, like it can get there very, very quickly because I just can't stand that disrespect. And I'm amazed in our society because I think that we see disrespect over and over again. And I've talked about this from time. We disrespect coaches. We disrespect teachers. We disrespect people in authority, our, our, our parents and those around us. And I think that's one thing we're passing from one generation to the next. And I think my generation is really bad at this as well. And we even disrespect cops today. Like, no one has authority anymore, and we wonder why we have all these problems in our society. It's because leaders can't step up and lead anymore because we don't respect it. And it's just a real issue for us. But there's also this sort of issue, I think, of entitlement as well. And and I think that is really bad in my generation because I think our generation is saying, I wonder what my parents are going to leave us. Man, it is not your parents' responsibility to leave you something. Like I'm amazed at like, people who haven't made very much. And when I'm at the funerals, the children are kind of vying for what they're going to get. And at the end of the day, you know they're not getting very much because their parents had to spend all their money to take care of themselves in their latter years. And they worked for that money. You're not really entitled to that. It's just a pet peeve of mine. Okay? But here's the thing. Like I, um, uh, <laughs> I, I was telling this story, and I think I told you before. But when I was buying my new car, I, uh, uh, I, was, I was happy. I was going to give... Uh, my oldest son, Chase, I was going to give him uh, my, my Honda Accord. I had it for many years. It paid off. Here, you're going to get this. But when I was buying my new car, I don't know which one of my kids it was, but one of my kids said to me, they said, uh, so, Dad, is that going to be Chase's car? And I was like, what world are you living in where you think the, only, like, the guy that works in his family is working to buy him a new car? You know what I mean? I mean, that was just so absurd. And the fact that they even asked that was just sort of crazy to me. And really, when this son asked for this sort of entitlement that, that he thought he should get, his inheritance right away, I mean, that was very disrespectful to his dad. And, and honestly, the leaders of that time who heard this story, they would have said to their, no, 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 shut up. Go back to your place or you're not getting anything. And matter of fact, if you ask me again, we're probably going to excommunicate you from this family. Because that is so disrespectful, what you're asking or saying. But again, we sort of live in this entitlement sort of situation. And so we look at this son and we say, man, that's a crazy thing to do. But I thought to myself, like, how many times have I done that? How many times have I asked God for something that I do not deserve? How many times have I tried to tell God what his responsibility is? God, this is how you should show up. These are the things that you should do. You know how disrespectful that is? God knows way more than I could ever know. God cares way more than I could ever care. And so when I try to tell God what to do, I'm in fact telling him, I don't need you, I disrespect you, where we should be praying like Jesus to pray, not my will, but your will be done. So the father sort of sits in this place of feeling disrespected. And we go on to verse 13 because after it says, and I, and I can't imagine this father's response. Because the father's response then is to give the son what he asked for. And he says, here you go, take it. And so then in verse 13, we says, Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Now, I don't know if the father knew all this squandering that he was doing, but he probably had a perception of what his son was going to do. But the fact is that he gave his son exactly what he asked for. And maybe his father thought, well, if I give my son what he asked for, maybe he'll stick around because I don't want to lose. And by the way, I think many of us parents have been there. Like we don't want to lose relationship with our children. So we give in and we give in and we give in because we're afraid if we don't, then there will be some sort of separation. So we can identify with that for a moment too. But the father gives him what he asked for. And instead of staying put, instead of continuing to be in this protection that the father could have provided for him, that the father could have still cared for him, could have spoken to his life and could have been there for him, the father then feels abandoned and shut off because the son leaves. It's this way of the son saying, Dad, I don't care what you think anymore. Don't need your protection anymore. Don't need to listen to you anymore. And I'm sure that father felt that abandonment or that shut off. I'll tell you, one of the big struggles this year is uh, watching my son, and he's in his his senior year, and so I know soon that he's going to be going off to college, and I find myself just staring at him more and more, and if you know my son, I have to stare like this to see into his eyes, you know, and uh, I I find myself giving him hugs, and of course, I would love to be the dad that he would put his head in my chest, but I put my head in his belly and hug him, (laughs) and... uh, you know, it's a real meaningful moment and embarrassing all at the same time. But I'm looking at my son and thinking, man, he's, he's going to be going off for college soon. And dad is not going to be able to speak into him like he once did. And I think there's going to feel like this sort of loss, this sort of abandonment that I'm going to feel. But at the end of the day, I know that my son can still call home, that my son will still visit for holidays and he'll be around and I'll still be part of his life. And so that that encouraged me. But some of you parents, I get it because you're sort of at that, and maybe you've been that way for a while, but you're sort of at that empty nest where your kids have left and you feel sort of this loneliness, but at the end of the day, you still know that there are times that you can talk to them. But there's others of you, and I hate this for you, but your kids have abandoned you and they have shut you off and they no longer want to listen to you. And I thought to myself again, how many times have I done that to God? How many times has God tried to say something to me and I said, I ain't got time for that. How many times does God say, Chuck, I think you need to deal with this situation differently. I'm like, God, do you even know what you're talking about? Because do you see the way those people treat me? Maybe you need to be dealing with them instead of me. Maybe there's times when I just walk away from God and I say, I don't know, God. This thing's real or not. I don't know if I feel it today. And we just find ourselves abandoning and walking away from him. I know that that feeling of a father is just very hard to deal with. Because I want those moments where my children just run to me. I want those moments where my children just love me. I want to talk to them. And so there's those feelings of abandonment and shut out. Getting to verse 14 through 16, it says, After he spent everything he had, there was a severe famine in that whole country, And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the citizens of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave them anything. Again, the readers and the Jewish leaders, when they would hear that part, they're probably like, yeah, he gets what he deserves. That little punk thought he could do without his father and now he wants to eat the pods that the pigs are eating. You know, he's with the vilest of the vile." Like, that was, that's probably a moment they would have been celebrating that. But it's interesting because I was thinking from the father's perspective. Like, this father has no idea what his son's done with his wealth. This father has no idea who he's hanging out with. This father has no idea what he's getting into. And from the father's perspective, he has no control over what his son is doing or what his son is choosing. And man, that's a hard reality for most parents. It's a hard reality that when your kids finally go off on their own, like what choices are they making? Who are they hanging out with? Are they getting into some addictive behaviors? And I tell you, as a parent, man, losing that control is so difficult because as a parent, there's so many times like you see that going on and you can do it when they're little. You can take them and say, okay, 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 that's enough. I want to talk to you. And if the father, if word was getting back to the father that he's squandering all this wealth, that he's with prostitutes, that he's doing all this junk, I'm sure that everything in the father wanted to go to the child and say, no, 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 you're not going to do that anymore. You're going to come back. You're going to live under my house, under my rules, and that's the way it's going to be. Like, we can sense that, right? But the truth is, this is what we call free will. And so even though everything in the father wanted to go out and correct his son, the father knows best and knows that if I make my child love me, if I force my child to do this, at the end of the day, they may run away or it may get worse. And so the father knows that he no longer has control. And that's really the tough thing about free will. And yet we get it. Because I would love, I would love to take those moments and just make my kid love me. I'd love to have those moments where I just make my kid respect me. But if I force them into those situations, you really think I would feel the love that I want? When I truly feel love for my child is when my child makes a decision on their own to run up to dad and say, dad, I love you. Dad, I need your help. Dad, I need to talk. Like those are much more meaningful than if I would have forced them into it. And God, our father, has experienced that same thing. Could he make creation love him? Yeah. He can do anything. But it, would it really be love? No. Because that's free will. We get on then to verse 17. And it says, When he came to his senses, talking to the son, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Does the father know that's going on? No. Our heavenly father knows what we're going through. But you think about that. When your kids have decided to do something they shouldn't, when they've decided to hang out with the wrong people, when they've decided to do the things that you don't want them to do, like all you can do is what? You can wait and you can hope. And so the Father's posture in that moment is to wait and to hope. And in our situations, it's to bring prayer into it as well. Lord, I pray that my child will get things right. Father, I pray that my child won't abandon their marriage. Father, I pray that they would be great people at work. Father, I pray that they would come back to us. Father, I pray that you might send somebody in their life that still has a voice in order to speak into their lives because the truth is sometimes you and I lose our voice and our kids don't want to hear us anymore. And so I pray, Father, would you send someone into their life that would get a hold of them, that would say something in a special way, and that, listen, that they would come to their senses and they would turn from this wrong way and turn to the right way. Father, I pray that they would come to their senses and I pray that they would develop a relationship with you, one that would change them and challenge them. Lord, I pray that they would come to their senses and the Father just waits and he hopes, Even though I think everything in him wants to just go and drag him back and put him there. But the Father waits, and he helps. And what I feel bad for some of us today is I think that some of you have been waiting and waiting and waiting. And I think to some degree you've become hopeless. And I want to give you this good word, man. Let's keep speaking hope and life into people. And if you and I have lost our voice Let's pray that someone else would have a voice in their life and that they would come to a place in life where they will come to their senses and they will change. Verse 20 then, it says, So he got up, talking about the son, went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his father, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. You see, what I thought was interesting about the father's response, as he saw his son coming, he could have turned his back on him. He could have rejected him. He could have said, you're going to do all these things before I forgive you. He could have just weighed him down over and over again and said, why don't you grovel for a little while? Why don't you tell me all the mistakes you've done? Why don't you sit in that? And after you feel the weight of that, maybe, just maybe I'll forgive you and give you sort of this place in our family. But the father doesn't do that, does he? Instead of choosing to weigh his son down, he chooses to take that weight off of him. Why? Because that son had a repentive heart. When the father looked at his son, who had already been through so much, he didn't weigh him down with more stuff. But instead, he just thought, "Nah, he came to his senses and he got the point. So I'm not going to keep weighing him down." Instead of weighing him down, he chose patience. And he waited and waited, and as difficult as it was, he waited. And then he chose love. And instead of rejecting his son and turning back on his son, (laughs) that visual image of him just taking off and running towards his son, (sighs) that's a huge step. And then as his son is starting to plead with his dad, and saying, I've sinned against heaven, and I've sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The father forgives him, and then restores him. The son said, I'm not worthy to be called your son. And he said, no, 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 enough of that. He said, go get the fatted calf, go bring the robes, go bring the ring, go bring the sandals. Why? Because I want to restore him as one of my own. And you have to understand that you have a heavenly Father who desperately loves you, who understands that you've had your fair share of sins, who understands that you've missed the mark in life and your relationships with your family, with your wife, with your work, in every situation, addictions or whatever. It doesn't matter what that pain of sin is, whatever is weighing you down. You have a loving Father who says, when you repent and when you come to your senses, says, I'm going to run to you, I'm going to love you, I'm going to forgive you, and I'm going to restore you as one of my own. And then they celebrated together. Man, if that isn't powerful, I don't know what is. What I want you to understand here today, it is no mistake that you are here. Some of you have been struggling in your faith. You're not sure if you want to give it over to God. Some of you have been weighed down by the pressures of life and never made a decision for Christ Christ wants you to come to that decision today. I'm going to ask um, uh, Pastor Jerry and Rachel and Chase and Sonia. They're going to play a song, and I want you to listen to this song. And while you're listening to this song today, listen, I want to give you an invitation, and it's this. If you feel like you need to make a decision for Christ today, and you want someone to pray with you, listen, I want to challenge you that during this song, at any moment in time, I want to encourage you to get up out of your seat and come down here to what we call the altar. It's these, if you want to stand, if you want to sit, if you want to kneel, I don't care what the posture is. If you want to come down here, we want to pray with you to receive Christ. I'd love to see it. For some of you that may be very uncomfortable, it's okay. Listen, it was very uncomfortable for the son who knew what he did to his father to come to his senses and turn around and come down. But his father ran to him. And I'd love to have some of you just come down and pray today and let us pray with you. Secondly is this. I got a phone call this morning and some conversations otherwise, and they were this. There's a lady in our church, who some of you may know, Kathy Rice, and her and her husband went to Connecticut. Um, she's been in intensive care ever since they left. And um, they asked if we would pray for her today. I got another conversation this morning about somebody's brother in the church, Dale, who has an extreme case of cancer. And wanted to be prayed over and healed. If some of you have a physical or emotional or spiritual healing that you need. And you would like us to anoint you with oil today. Come up. It's just where we take our finger. We dip some oil. And we just pray for you. And we have some of the elders of the church pray around you. And you want to experience a healing today. Come. Do that. We want to pray with you. But the third thing that has been messing with me since Friday. Is some of the stories that I've heard from individuals in the church. And what I realized this morning is this idea of a loving father may have triggered something in your own life. Because instead of having a father run towards you, you may have had a father that abandoned you. And you're dealing with that hurt and those emotional scars that are still with you today and you're struggling through that. And you need someone to pray with you and encourage you to come down. I'm also, after the end of the song, I'll offer it if it's in your seats and that's what you want to do because that, that's between you and God anyways. We don't need this to be done. But if you just want people to encourage you and pray with you, I'd love for you to come down. So listen to this psalm, man. It just clearly depicts this story that we've just talked about today. I want to ask that those of you in your seat, would you stand with me this morning? And while some are still being prayed with here at the altar, I want to ask you to just close your eyes for a moment and If it's been uncomfortable or it's it's not just uncomfortable for you to come down, but yet you'd say, Pastor Chuck, I want to ask Jesus Christ in my life today because I get that sense that I've been lost and yet there is a loving Father waiting patiently for me and I've come to my senses (laughs) and I just want him to run up to me and love me, And you want to accept Jesus as your Savior today. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and I just want to pray with you this morning. Thank you. Thank you in the back and side there. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Secondly, if there's some uh, physical or emotional healing, spiritual healing that you need Christ to deal with today, it's for you, or for someone else. If you just want to raise your hand and say, Pastor Chuck, could you just remember me in those prayers today? Thank you. Got those. Got those over here on the side. several over here in the back, too, in the front. Thank you. Thank you over here on the other side, my right, your left. Thank you. And then the third thing is this. If there are some of you today, again, that the idea of a loving father is something that was triggered for you because you're dealing with some, man, really abandonment issues with your dad who wasn't there for you. And you'd say, Pastor Chuck, could you just remember me in your prayers as well? If that's you, could you just raise your hand this morning? Thank you. here in the front. Got that. Thank you down in the middle. Thank you. pray together. Father God, what a great place to be and to sense your presence right now. Father, I remember that day that I just pleaded with you and asked you to forgive me of my mistakes, which were many, and which sometimes still feel like they're many. I thank you for bringing me to the place where I came to my senses, and you came and wrapped your arms around me with that forgiveness that only you could bestow. So I pray for those ones this morning that are sensing a sense of your presence and they are asking and pleading with you to forgive them of their sins. That they recognize the path that I have been going is a path I no longer want to be going. And I've come to my senses and I want to make a change and I need a savior. And more than a savior, I need a father who will just love on me and accept me as their son or their daughter. Father, I plead with that forgiveness right now and ask that those lives would be transformed. Your word says that when we come to you and ask you to forgive us, it says you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And what the scripture said today is you ran to us, you had compassion on us, and you restored us. So, Father, thank you for those lives that have been restored today where we have children of you, we have sons and daughters that can call you Father, and we thank you for what you've done in their lives. And then those for those individuals like Dale and Kathy and all those other ones that have been mentioned here today, some of those lives that I've prayed with this morning that are sensing some deep depression, I pray that you would invade their space, let them know that they are valued and that they are loved and they have purpose. I pray for those who are experiencing physical ailments. And fathers, it's amazing with the wisdom and the grace that you've in doctors and nurses and all those who get to do the good things for us and make our bodies well. But at the end of the day, Lord, the voice that we need to most hear from is you. And if you decide to heal, then we're healed. And so I pray for those lives that they would experience healing today and that they would come back and they would give praise to you. Just this week, had one lady come and talk about issue with water on the brain who's had it since she was young. And she said she went in because something wasn't feeling right. And there was displacement in there. And yet the water had drained out and it is no longer there. And she was giving you praise because you healed her life. And we say thank you. And we celebrate with her. But then for those individuals today, with just the mere word father is a trigger for them. Because again, they didn't have a father who ran to them. They have a father who ran from them. Father, I pray that today that even with all that hurt that they experience with an earthly father, that today they would feel the presence of a heavenly father who calls them son or daughter, who sticks with them and is available to them, who shows up at their events, who is there to care for, nurture, and to instruct and then give them a better purpose and value in life. Father, let them feel your presence today and let them feel love. And Father, the inheritance that you give us, again, you didn't have to do it, but you did. And so may we celebrate with you in heaven one day as brothers and sisters in Christ, knowing we have a Father who has desperately loved us and gone after us. Father, thank you for meeting with us today. We love you and we give you praise. In your name we pray, amen. Say what while some are still praying today, if they need to, just be courteous on your way up. I mean, thanks for showing up today. Come again next week as we learn about the uh, older son as well. And thanks for the way you serve. We'll see you again next week. Once again, thanks for listening. If you are in the Marion area, we would love to engage with you at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fantastic children and student ministries, visit us at dayspringwesleyan.org. That's dayspringwesleyan.org.